You are listening to More Human, the show where we share the stories that encourage leaders to make their businesses and organizations more human. I'm your host, Jeremy Newlick. Like many of his generation, Earl Woodard heeded the call of his country in 1941. He joined the armed forces and Within months, the young man from Farmington, Missouri was a navigator on a B-17, flying missions over France and Germany. His plane was shot down over occupied France in April of 1944, and relying on the kindness of groups of strangers and his own wits, he escaped on foot over the Pyrenees Mountains into Spain. While on leave later that year, he married his hometown sweetheart, Nancy. And after he returned home, the Purple Heart decorated veteran bought a service wagon, some brushes, and soap. And he and Nancy started cleaning St. Louis area homes and businesses. They co-founded Woodard Cleaning and Restoration, and today the business that bears that name employs over 200 people. It's a preeminent brand. But just a few years ago, this company that was founded with that hearty entrepreneurship grit that only that generation can have, all that can-do attitude, was facing a crossroads that for a lot of businesses like it could spell the end, even for really well-managed organizations. It was handed off to a third generation. So there's this common proverb that describes that kind of situation, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. And so what you're gonna hear from CEOs and other business folk as it relates to third generation businesses is that They're started with this entrepreneur who has grit and determination. They start a thing. The second generation witnesses that determination and applies it to increasing the scale of the company. And then the spoiled brat third generation assumes that the company will always be around, and they end up making a series of bad decisions. And there's quantitative evidence to support this kind of phenomenon. I mean, less than one-third of family businesses the businesses that make up a majority, by the way, of our gross domestic product, survive the transition from first to second generation ownership, and only half of those that are remaining will survive third generations. It's like an inertia. It's like the tides. It's a sine wave. Well, as an antidote to that proverbial wisdom, we have our program today. Justin Woodard, that third generation owner, CEO, president, big boss over at the Woodard Cleaning and Restoration, is going to tell us a little bit about what drew him back into the family business. Now, a side note, full disclosure, Woodard is a client of Big Wide Sky, the place where we're sitting right now as we record this, and coincidentally, the name of the company that's on the front of my paycheck. Now, growing up, Justin interned for a couple of summers at Woodard, and right after college, he went to work for a technology consulting firm. And going back to the family business, was not necessarily something that was on his immediate horizon. He was fascinated with business systems and what it takes to improve them. However, after a few years, he felt this calling. It was a sense of responsibility, both to the legacy of his grandparents and his parents, and to those people, the personalities he met at Woodard over those summers. And it's this focus on the human beings in the organization and the systems that support the culture that make Justin a different kind of third-generation leader. As opposed to a sort of authoritarian, Justin's role in his organization focuses on creating an environment for emerging leadership. 
I think my role in the culture is the one of articulation. I, I think grandma and grandpa, um, they served because that's what they did. It was their natural instinct uh, to provide service to the community in uh, you know, whether that was making contributions and donations to the, the church uh, or it was going into people's homes and, and literally, you know, being on their knees and, you know, cleaning carpets and rugs and furniture. Uh, so I think they did, they did it because that's who they are. Uh, I think my dad learned that from them and served uh, as, as part of his role. Um, and his role was to make sure that the company could grow to, to serve more. And I'm looking at, you know, my role uh, is, is, is different in that uh, we need to tell our story more clearly to e- each other to, to see how we connect as people. Uh, and we need to, to make sure that we're telling it uh, and articulating it clearly uh, into the St. Louis community uh, so that we can be more focused. I mean, right now, you know, as an entrepreneur in the first generation or my dad growing the business, it was like, hey, we'll do it. Whatever it is. Whatever you do, right. just go do it. We got to do it. And, mm-hmm. and we're, we're in a, 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 a kind of a, a time period, I think, for our company where focus is important and being really clear about what, is going, what, what are the things that we should do that are going to uh, serve uh, our customers, our employees, and our company's you know, kind of longevity or legacy what are, those, what are those things we need to do in order for that all three of those to kind of be in alignment and to be as strong as possible? When I began leading Woodard four years ago as the president, uh, I mean, it took a year uh, to really tease out, hey, are, are we just moving along here and kind of lucky that our company is still working or are we really good at what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the conclusion to that is yes, mm-hmm. right? We... We've, we've been lucky many times, and we have a very good understanding of what we're doing uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, and the flip side is also true. We've been kind of unlucky, and we'll, because we'll be unlucky again. We've got to watch out for that. And there are things we don't have any idea what we're doing. And so we, we, need, to, we need to be able to get better at those. And, and so after a year of kind of grappling with, with what that means, uh, you know, my, you know, I spent a year with my team really just trying to understand where, where are we going? And, and that isn't just – that isn't like, oh, how do we grow the business and what new services do we offer? This was more like, well, what ties us together? Mm-hmm. What are the things that we have to encourage everybody to do every single day to be successful? What does success look like? Is it, you know, getting to be a really, really big company or is it uh, about uh, how, we, how we serve people, right? Is it about, you know, is it about helping people uh, or, you know, what, what – what are what are these things that that tie us together? And mm-hmm. that's really the what's the thread? Yeah, yeah. That's the arti- that, that there was. I think there was a combination of. I was uh, privileged to to be in lots of good leadership experiences to influence that. And then the intuition was, I need a decision making framework. Right. You don't have a right. I see what you mean. So like you don't who, have anything. Like, well, on what basis? On what foundation can I really lead? If right, Dad could. Right. Dad had less people. And so he could essentially describe where we're going to everybody almost directly. Right. The, the company's grown a little bit over the last couple of years and that was becoming impossible. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't enough time 
for me to just talk to everybody and say, hey, here's where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really needed to articulate, well, where did we come? We wanted to honor and, and, and really um, be able to incorporate where we've come from as the foundation of who we are um, and be able to describe it in a way that, that says, yeah, mm-hmm. here's who we are, here's who we've been, here's where we're going, uh, and, and it, it, it ties us all together. A lot of the things that you talk about when you talk about leadership, it's interesting to me, is that a lot of people will um, they'll use uh, leadership as shortcut for uh, having vision on how uh, an, uh, the organization can make money. And what you tend to seem to focus on a lot are the people that are holding the organization together. You tend to go to culture a lot faster, I think, than probably a lot of other leaders that I talk to. Um, so can you talk to me about like the role of leadership within culture? Do you think that it's, that's first and foremost kind of like the role of leadership? Is it what you ought to be concerned with sort of first? Is that the core part of a, a business, an organism, you think? Yeah, for, for me it is. The, the, you know, there's a couple different ways that I think about my job. Um, and, and both of them really have to do with culture is the, one of the two things. Uh, and so... One of the one of the easiest ways to to describe how I think about it is, is that I'm uh, responsible for uh, the biggest things and the smallest things inside of the Woodard environment. The biggest things, the biggest decisions, and the smallest smallest things. And so, you know, that could be, you know, uh, a uh, some decision to make to offer a new service. Right, that would be a really big thing for Woodard mm-hmm. to to take on something new like that. Uh, so I would want to be involved in that sort of decision making mm-hmm. uh, the on the on the other hand uh, writing notes of recognition or a thank you note or um, going up to somebody and asking them about their 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 son or daughter's game over the weekend uh, those to me are the littlest things that happen in a in any environment and they're critical I think I look at them as critical to my job mm-hmm. and that job is making sure that the Woodard culture uh, feels right mm-hmm. and that it's an environment that that people come into. And when they come into it, they come into, uh, you know, the door of the office or they walk into the warehouse or they come into the rug plant, uh, that that environment lifts them up in some way, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, the goal is that everybody walks in will help then also pour into that environment so it lifts everybody up uh, and then they can go home to their family, their mm-hmm. friends, and be better for it. Mm-hmm. And that's my service, I think. Mm-hmm. If I can uh, facilitate the creation of that type of environment, I, I will have given back to the people of Woodard that have come before me, and uh, I, I hope that's a little bit of a, you know, something that will uh, kind of continue uh, even in my ap- absence. Rather than working to change the culture, Justin's approach is one of genuine curiosity. He examines what's already present and valued and does his best to pull back the curtain on how that culture supports the biggest mission of the organization. And it so happens that just hours before he came into our studio, he had come off of one of the most emotional and catalytic sort of leadership moments for the organization. First Wednesday of every month, all the people of Woodard get together at 7.30 in the morning, and we have what is called the LSA. 
it's our monthly employee ritual. Okay. Right? And this was started in the 90s sometime, well before. What does LSA stand for? Le- uh, LSA, Legendary Service Awards. Okay. So this was originally created to get to connect my dad with the people of Woodard. He, he was becoming like people were like scared of him or something. I'd, mm-hmm. I can totally understand that as his son, and it's <laughs> mind-boggling at the same time. Uh, and so the Legendary Service Awards were created to have him get up in front of everybody and share something meaningful of, from a customer and give people awards. And so we've had LSAs for well over 20 years, one, one, month, one time a m- month. And so we probably have, and again, this is, this is where that perfection thing, you say these things out loud and people don't realize, 10 out of 12 in a year, that's awesome, mm-hmm. right? For an emergency services company, yeah. we do have to cancel the, you know, it's, anyway. Um, and so we had ours this morning, and to this thing of essentially revealing what is the next part of this ritual, uh, what I told everybody today was that I feel like I've been the stand-in for years. And, ri- and literally, I get up in front of everybody and I read comments and letters and experiences from our customers and recognize people for their legendary service. So I'm the middle person. Customers write stuff. I read it. I give awards. Okay. And I've had this, really this idea, you know, we've been better and better at, at integrating this recognition and appreciation into our culture where lots and lots of people are recognizing lots and lots of other people. So we're getting comfortable with this and comfortable with not just, hey, slap on the back, nice job, but wow, when you did that, it made me feel like really good. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you did that. And people are sharing more and more deeply. And so I had this vision for having the middle person removed. And then I'd have a customer be able to recognize employees directly inside of the LSA ritual really? to deepen this ritual. And we, we accomplished it for the first time this morning. How did it feel? Well, it felt exactly like I imagined it, okay. which was we have 100 people in a room that are like half in tears, yeah. but all of them connected to the deeper reason why we exist. Uh-huh. Because we helped this woman get back to her life. We saved the few precious memories and trinkets and little things that were valuable to her. Our people saved them mm-hmm. and got them back to her. Mm-hmm. And she came in and she had written me four letters describing her experiences in each in extremely in detail with the four people on that were on her project that most impacted her. And so I got to bring those four people up onto the stage with me. I had our customer, Kathy, up on stage with me, and her sister was there because she was emotional. What happened to Kathy? What, Kathy had a fire. Her? Okay. Yep, so she was a victim of a fire, and it was a, it was a very, very bad fire. F- types of fire that don't happen very often anymore because the police departments respond really fast, and there's smoke detectors. And, I mean, th- sure. This thing, these don't happen as, as frequently. But this is like huge devastation. Huge yeah. devastation. She had recently lost her father or her husband oh in a gosh. different situation. And essentially 90 to 95% of her belongings were destroyed. We couldn't, we couldn't clean or save them. Mm. But the 5%, we did. Photogra- we were able to save a lot of photographs and mm. just a lot of other 
what you know she described as valuables, and she wasn't talking about jewelry. Right. She was talking about these things that were connections to her husband, who was no longer alive. Right. And she got up with her sister, and her sister kind of read these letters, and really reconnected. So through the customer, reconnected all of us to why we exist. Right. And I now all the stuff that I'm when I'm the person in the middle describing why we exist because I am trying to reveal it. I'm trying to discover it again for mm. everybody. It it gets it's more meaningful than it's ever have been. Of course. And but now I mean, I had more feedback about this morning and I mean, people came up to me and just like this is amazing. I can't I didn't really understand what you what we do. Hmm. I didn't the impact it has on people. I knew it. And we we get another, you know, we we're, we're going to get another fi- call about a fire tomorrow. And you know, our first thought is like we got to make a job file. Right. Right? And now through this ritual there's going to be a little bit of pause there and it's not going to only be about well, we got to get the job file and we got to go help like we got to go out there. It's going to be like oh we got to go put somebody's life back together. Right. We got to go save some treasured memories. Right. We got to go we got to go help Kathy. What were some of the comments that you got from other folks at Woodard after the LSA this morning? I mean, I know you said briefly like that felt really amazing or it was wonderful, but is there are there specific things that people started to make some connections that it was pretty pretty great to hear? Yeah, the idea that it's like, "Oh, wait, we're not really just talking about. This isn't just talk, right? We say a lot. We're on we're on a journey to help a million people get back to their lives. We have a board. We actually count the number, <laughs> right? And it's kind of, in a sense, unhuman to just count count the things, right? Uh, right. Sure. Well, it's just a number on the board. It's like, yeah, we just got that's how many more jobs we had, right? Right. Uh, and not to be able to offer this experience, it changes the number. Mm-hmm. And so the comments revolved around, wow, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't realize that's what it means to help people get back to their lives, right? Mm-hmm. We have some first responders that go out um, after fires to, to really help uh, walk people through the, this experience. And those, there's three of these guys, and they have essentially an impossible time. People at Woodard ask them all the time, what do you guys do? And they're like, well, we do this thing. And it's sort of a mystery at Woodard. People know they do stuff, but it's hard to describe. And they all three came up to me and said, thank you. Now we know what to say. Mm. When people say, what do you do? All we got to do is show them this video. It's like, mm. that's what we do. We, we set the foundation mm. and the groundwork for Kathy mm. to be able to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really... Yeah, it's 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 illuminating the 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 human experience that that happens when you really care for somebody that's gone th- that that is going through a tragedy. So the role of leader is that of storyteller to mm-hmm. a large degree for you. You feel like that's a really big yeah. part of it. Yeah. And do you feel like it starts and stops with the person who has the title because it sounds like what you're saying also is that you now have these people within the organization who are saying these are the stories that are good. So if anybody can tell stories, does that mean that there's an, a space for emergent kind of? Yes, I believe there are people in our organization that are ready to tell, th- that are capable of telling the stories. 
they haven't been revealed that they're ready. <laughs> and I'm having, I've had, I'm having these experiences where people are, the leaders in the organization are coming to me and saying, now I know what you're talking about. I mean, is that part of the legacy you hope to leave behind? If you think about the generations that have come before you, and it sounds like if that's really what you're saying is the hallmark of your leadership moment for Woodard is uh, articulation. Are you hoping that that's something that essentially you uh, allow the environment for other people to understand that that's what leadership looks like, is the ability to, like, can you tell the story? Can you be compelling? Can you transfer your belief? Is that kind of what you're saying is, like, you're trying to inspire people to be that kind of leader? Yeah, I, I th- yeah. I, I think if we can, uh, I think through those stories, we're sharing what it what it means to be people, what it means to have human connection with those we serve, mm-hmm. and uh, it might be uh, the people that we are serving on our teams that we get to tell stories to or with or about, uh, or it might be our customers that those stories come from, or it might be people in the community, mm-hmm. right? Changing an entire community is a compelling story for a company sure. that is trying to help people get back to their lives, right? That's mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. That's one more to a million, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter that we didn't get paid for it. It right. doesn't matter that, uh, you know, it wasn't on the, on the list for the day. Right. That is, those are the behaviors that are ultimately going to uh, connect us together uh, and connect us to uh, the people in the community that, that, that we you know, essentially get to serve. What's your aspiration then with Woodard? What do you, what do you foresee when you forecast out, when you look out to the future and, and you don't, you're doing this work of like focusing on the who we are part, focusing on the let's get clarity on that and let's understand the power that can happen and what's transformative about stories, you know, and all that stuff that you're talking about doing in the present day, mm-hmm. when you push that out into the future, what kind of aspiration, what do you see Woodard being in the future? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I actually haven't connected this articulation with the definition of leadership in the mm-hmm. way that we're kind of describing it right now. That's podcast magic. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, the the, But the reality is my vision is that Woodard will be this environment and this culture and this company that is known for creating leaders, right? Mm-hmm. I want I want people in the industries that we're in to be to be looking at us and saying, yeah, if they're coming out of Woodard, they they are a good leader, mm-hmm. right? And defining leader has been kind of the, you know, it's kind of a define it as you go sort of thing for me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want people in the community of whether it's only in St. Louis or if someday the opportunity is for us to uh, essentially serve a different community somewhere else that the people of those communities will know and identify, hey, that's Woodard. The leaders are grown there. Leaders are developed there. Leaders are uh, revealed mm-hmm. in the in that environment. And I want people, I want our customers to know that. You know, I want them to be, have, you know, we're known for having having leaders that, you know, that, that are going to lead somebody off the road to, to get their tire back together, mm-hmm. right? Or to, to just lead you through an experience of tragedy uh, in a way that, you shouldn't know how to do, mm-hmm. right? You shouldn't know how to get your life back together after a fire. No, like, no, people shouldn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a tragedy that you wouldn't wish on other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need help, and we can lead you through that experience and hopefully get you, you know, coming out on the other side in a, in a fashion that is 
uh, I don't know, feels okay. Mm-hmm. Kathy, the woman that we recognized our people today, uh, one of the things she said, the first person on the, on the scene was, was Joe, and she, she said, you know, recognize Joe for his kindness and compassion and caring, and, the, and, and then at the end said, you know, Joe, uh, I no longer, after meeting you, I no longer consider this fire uh, to be the worst day of my life. I actually look at it as one of the luckiest days of my life because you showed up. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, being able to, you know, have the the result of a tragedy be that sort of connection is, it's remarkable. You know, I, I don't want to take a lot of credit for that, but it, it's remarkable that our people do that, and that's what I want to tell more stories about. That I want everybody to know. That's the that's the type of experience uh, that you can create, and that you get to. You get to create if you're a, a person of order. Justin's story is an inspiration for leaders who are seeking ways to connect purpose with the day-to-day activities of a group of humans. And it's not so much a focus on what the company does, but more so a curiosity. It's almost like what could be possible for a company that makes a commitment to creating leaders. And this is important because times can change, circumstances change, but there will always be a need to help others through something that feels unknown or uncertain. After all, the ability to have vision beyond circumstances is something that makes us human. This has been More Human, a production of the Be Human Project. Editing and sound design by Kalise Walker, with art direction by Steph Sabo and Kes Arnold. That's hosted by me, Jeremy Newlick, and we record and produce this thing at our studio at Big White Sky, a human business consultancy. To subscribe to More Human, search for More Human anywhere you subscribe to podcasts. And to learn more about the Be Human Project or if you dig anything you've heard, check out our website, behumanproject.net. And visit often. We love humans. <laughs>